And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Saints pipped by Saints, Motherwell beaten silly by Kelly, and what have we got to say about Shea? I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me, two people who seemed pretty happy on last week's podcast when. Well, Motherwell and Aberdeen weren't in action. Laura Brannan and JJ Bull. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. For those who don't know, Laura Brannan works for Motherwell and I like Aberdeen. Stephen said that. Indeed. How are you both this week? Not as good as last week. Well, that's obvious. We'll get into that. JJ, you well? Yes. More well than Motherwell. Let's have your take on the, the return of League One and Two. Uh, that happened at the weekend. We know there's still no fans. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, Dumbarton Forfar settled by an absolute stinker of a goal, to be fair, as well. A ready from Sam Ramsbottom. And it was his debut. Have you seen this? How are you described as a stinker? That's, that deserves like a whole section on the Nick Hancock video. <laughs> if anyone's not seen it, the goalkeeper... He, the ball's on the ground and he clears it off the back of a defender and then somehow it's like he's stuck in slow motion. It's like it lags. <laughs> it's so like the world funny. lags and he can't quite get to the ball in time before it goes in the goal. Like, yeah, he's blaming the ping or something like that. I don't know. What I didn't like when it was uh, so Sport Bible picked up on it. Uh, obviously, this goal has gone viral. I mean, everyone has sent it in their group chats this weekend. But Sport Bible um, used something, the wording on the lines of, what was it, um, the most Scottish football thing ever. Right? And I just got, hold on a minute. We're allowed to say that. We can yeah. say it's the most Scottish people thing ever. You can't, though. It's How like, you know the sla- it's posted like, it wasn't Scottish. It's like slagging your sister. It's like slagging someone's sister. They're allowed to slag their own sister. We're not allowed to. <laughs> um, Jim Duffy was uh, pretty cutted about it. Um, but it did secure Forfa's first win since November. Um, it took them off the bottom of the table as well. Um, in other news, folks, um, after 118 years at Hamden, Queen's Park played their last game at the National Stadium on Saturday. And they won, which is class. 3-0 against Strindmar. And um, bear with me in this one, right? So they're moving to another Hamden, a lesser Hamden, shall we say. Um, and I was thinking it'd be really, really cool if they could um, get their... You remember when Hamilton Stadium was uh, sponsored by Hope CBD? And it's like, it's all based around the cannabis oil. Oh, yes, CBD, the cannabis oil, yes. Yes, yes, you know it well, JJ. Uh, it's, uh, I just really like the idea that if they could get sponsored by that, then they could call a new stadium Hemp Den. Oh, wow. There we go. <laughs> no? Not having it? How about you call it the marijuana, like the maracana? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's a good one as well. I like that. Except, yeah. Anyway. There's no... There's no um, like drug properties and that stuff. It's good for anxiety. No, of course, it's, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of Hamden, uh, later on in the podcast, we're going to speak about Steve Clark Scotland. Um, if you don't know, he's a very good manager. And Scotland should have a decent team. 
But first of all, we're going to start with a big game and a few big issues. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. It is Perisic to deliver, and Balogun helps it on, and it's in from Alfredo Morelos. His derby day has come at last. Rangers remain unbeaten while Celtic avoid the indignity of a clean sweep by their rivals. A 1-1 draw at Celtic Park on Sunday. Uh, perhaps certain Rangers more than Celtic, I think. Most Celtic fans would have wanted to end that unbeaten run, if you ask me. And after the European shenanigans, Rangers perhaps a wee bit leggy in this game, JJ. What did you make of it? That was boring. <laughs> really? Nothing ha- yeah, nothing happened. I don't know what planet you were on saying it was a great game. I was, enjoyed the was, watch. It was good for about 10, 15 minutes in the first half. In the second half, they might as well just not have played. But both teams <laughs> looked kind of tired, Rangers especially, um, and they just kept it quiet. I think that was the best thing to do. Uh, just nothing really happened in the game. Uh, Laura, you would have been happy as well. There was no guard of honour uh, last week. We were all in agreement, weren't we? We, we don't like guard of honours. <laughs> I, I agree with JJ on this one. I thought it was proper snoozeworthy stuff. Apart from maybe a 10 minute spell in the first half when we kind of it sparked into life, I just, it was a nothing game. Um, it kind of reeked of neither team really had anything to play for. And it really, both were playing for pride. Rangers obviously still trying to keep this un- invincible run going, Celtic desperate to, to stop that run. But really, it, it didn't have the same feel of a, a normal kind of bitey tasty old firm game I thought Celtic had enough chances to go on and win it after they scored um, but Rangers barely got out of like third gear they, they just didn't test Bain enough um, there wasn't really a lot happening in front of goals so for a neutral watching it it was a bit meh I think it was quite clearly a game that needed fans and I mean that's obviously we've seen that all season but I I wonder whether a lot of players have just ended up but like the like football fatigue is a real thing, right? I could do without football for a little while. I'm very grateful it's there, <laughs> but please stop. Now, the players have to do it all the time and play all the time, and it changes the atmosphere and feel of it. This is there's a few games I've had to cover for work recently, and it just felt exactly the same, really flat. But I found an interesting point was um, so one of my friends in my group chat is a Celtic fan, and he was saying that he found it hard to really get emotionally involved in this game yesterday because now that it's, it's all over for them there's not many players there that he thinks will still be there next season mm-hmm. which I think he was explaining that he finds it hard to have this emotional connection to the team right now so when you look at it I mean the likes of like Turnbull, McGregor, Forrest maybe Sorrow look like the ones that are kind of set to be there next season um, apart from that though you're looking at you're, you're looking at three quarters of the team that you're thinking, well, they're just gonna they're gonna head off soon. They don't really have an emotional attachment the same way the fans don't. So when it is a dead rubber, I know, I know Celtic Rangers fans will tell me there's no such thing as an old firm dead rubber, but <laughs> at this stage of season when you don't have anything to play for and half your team are about to leave, you can't really fault them for saying that. It's an interesting you bring that up in the fact that Celtic's goal comes from two players that are most likely going to leave in the summer. El Yunusi, who's obviously on loan from, from Southampton, he'll go back to his parent club. And um, strong links with, with odds on Edwards potentially going to Leicester in the summer. But that's where their goal came from. And it was a pretty good goal in, in fairness as well, JJ. Um, I can't remember it already. Let's see how little this game I remember. I'll yeah, describe it for you. Yeah, yeah it was a it, very, good, very, very good ball across the box. Um, and El Yunusi with, 
you know, he's not the tallest, the but he header, scores yeah. some really good headers. And Alfredo Morelos as well, uh, he broke his duck for Rangers. Um, he scored, and Rangers fans enjoyed this one, um, his 55th league goal, and obviously his first against Celtic. Both teams were attacking purely down the left. Rangers had Barisic and Kent doing all of the good work on the left, and then Celtic kept attacking down their left side as well. Uh where they were up against Balogun in the first half, who wasn't having a good time of it really, and then mm-hmm. they, they took Balogun off and put um, Patterson on. And I thought Celtic would go really hard on him. They put Forrest on later on. He looked really decent. They played him at left wing. In this sort, of, I don't really understand the system they were playing. It was like a diamond midfield with a, like with two forwards, but I don't really, don't know. It's, it's really hard to draw it to do any analysis of this game because it was just so devoid of any intensity or energy or. Like Particularly the fight. second half, more so. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I, I genuinely just enjoyed it, and I even got like quite a few texts from people that I work with down down south who said like it's nice to see a competitive game in Scotland for once, which I thought, to be honest, was a bit full of it. Anyway, it's a bit harsh. Yeah. Again, we we will mention what happened uh, last Thursday um, when Rangers exited the Europa League, and it was it was all overshadowed with the alleged racial abuse of Glenn Kamara and I have to say alleged uh, but Slavia Prague's Andre Kudela said something to Kamara while covering his mouth which sparked a, a massive reaction uh, which Steven Gerrard responded with this is a cool calm kid it's not like him to accuse someone of anything I trust Glenn 100% with my life and Connor Goldson as well came out in a really good interview in, on Sky Sports um, just really saying that you know the taking the knee can be yeah, it's token gestures, um, and there's just no consequences for, for these actions. Kamara released his own statement too on Friday night, uh, stating Kudela's claim where he said he simply swore at him was a complete and utter lie, uh, which does not stand up to any form of scrutiny. Worse even was that Slavio Prague put out an anti-racism video with um, Kudela, one of the voices on it. Well, yeah, and yeah. we also saw Slavia Prague fans as well, absolutely morons with a racist abuse, um, well, a racist banner, basically, on, on their Instagram. It's just an utter disgrace. And we saw a few things at the weekend in Scottish football. We, we saw Dundee United didn't take the knee before the game against Aberdeen in an act of solidarity with Glenn Kamara. But Laura Motherwell also came out and said they won't be taking a knee for the rest of the season. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, this... Oh, can actually stems from before what happened in the Rangers game last week. Um, so just to kind of fill you in, um, last Monday we actually sat down with four of our players and did a a feature with them on the kind of Black Lives Matter in general and how they felt as though the movement was going for the season, if they felt it was doing enough or if it kind of ran its course. And we just kind of we got them to kind of chat amongst themselves. It was almost like a, a podcast style. Um, this video will be going out on Wednesday, so you can catch it with Anne. Um, they spoke very candidly to each other. It was just the four of them chatting amongst themselves. We weren't, it wasn't an interview. And they got to the stage where they were talking about taking the knee and they all agreed that taking the knee had sort of ran its course. Um, it had become almost an empty gesture because it was done like clockwork and everyone had kind of forgotten why. So they actually agreed during this that they wouldn't stand, they wouldn't, they wouldn't kneel anymore and they were going to stand from now on. And then obviously what happened four days after that was the Rangers game and it just escalated even more to the point where um, the the boys went up to the 
the other the, the captain of our team and said to them, look, we are not going to kneel on Saturday. Do you want to join us in standing? And that's when the captain, Declan Gallagher, spoke to the other boys and they went, yes, we're, we're going to do it as a team. We're, we're, we're as one here. So we put out the statement on Saturday as it happened. This is not a club decision. This is very much the players. And obviously, as naturally, the club will back the players on this. Um, the thinking of it really is that they just wanted to, to draw attention to to changing the norm, really, um, and make people think again, because it's clearly not having an impact. Um, taking the knee is obviously to, to make a stance in general, um, racism in society in general, but specifically we can impact football because that is the world that we are we are in that's our bubble um but to see it firsthand happen in our country um just a couple of days beforehand it's clearly not having an impact and something else has to be done so something higher up has to be done and the players are taking a stand now to to fight against that and make that point i i think that's great laura we, we know as well that scotland are going to stand when they play Austria on Thursday, uh, which is also in solidarity with Glenn Kamara. And we also saw, which I I personally felt was a great gesture from Scott Brown um, walking over to Glenn Kamara just before uh, the game kicked off. Well, it was, it was in the warm-up and he went over to to pass on his, his thoughts to, to Glenn Kamara. And it's, it's one of these things where, do you know what? When this sort of thing happens and people question why, and some people I've seen online saying well you can't you can't say it's racist abuse if there's no if there's no evidence but at the end of the day just do your own work and learn why this is an issue and why this is important you know what we should just believe Glenn Kamara he doesn't need to prove to anybody that he's been racially abused if he says it it happened and if you want to understand why you know people go through the difficulties that have gone through in their life. Do the work, learn your history, and and you'll probably get to your own answer in the end of it. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Is um, and I think everyone is possibly guilty to this to a certain extent. I mean, uh, white people, um, myself probably included. I can be quite honest about it. As you're aware that racism happens, you you feel sorry for the, the, these people, the situation. You have empathy, um, and you agree it's terrible. But until you actually speak to people and hear firsthand, people you know that have suffered from it. I don't think your brain really clicks into place um, just how bad it is. And um, I would really, I, I, don't, I don't want it to sound like I'm promoting my own work, but I would urge people to watch this video when it comes out on Wednesday because you're hearing firsthand boys that are, that I mean, they're, they're like the same age as us and they are just trying to play football and they're talking about firsthand the experiences they've suffered um, in football and out of football, everyday life, things that have stopped them living their lives. Um, and it's really hard hitting. And mm. a lot of people kind of go, well, okay, well, you're standing. So what are you going to do about it? Like, that's not going to change the world. It's, I think what we have to question is what's next. And us as as football fans, us as um, as footballers, and even us as a football club, it maybe isn't enough to, to change the world. But it's every little bit helps. And I think we really need to look at organisations like UEFA. UEFA have to be taking a stance on this sort of thing. And it has to be a punishment. It makes people really deter from doing what they're doing because at the end of the day, people are selfish. And if they're not personally affected by something, they'll carry on doing it. So yeah. until... So so it's fine saying, oh, look, ban the player, find the club. But these things don't have a long-lasting impact. If you, if you chuck a team out of a competition or ban them from the next competition, that has an impact on so many people around it. And that's the only kind of time you're actually going to stop and go, right, 
something has to be done here because I don't I personally don't want to be punished by this anymore and it sounds stupid but I think it's the only way to get through to people absolutely I could I, I totally agree with you and the bigger thing for me Laura is the fact that it's not going to like you said it's not going to solve things right now but if it's if it's children growing up through this and they're asking their parents the question why are they doing that and then the message can get put down to them then their education and all of this will eventually flow through um, in the next couple of decades let's hope but we'll 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 finish on that and we'll get back to football matters because it was still a dramatic afternoon on saturday in the premiership place your bets welcome to pep roulette Ta, i'm feeling confident today me so your selection sir to start off from blue number nine and ten 17 as well just behind the front two good luck sir Blue number seven, unlucky sir. Sterling, he started last week. Predicting Pep's lineups can be tricky these days, but fortunately, with Paddy Power's Acker offer, if you don't get one leg of your four plus fold Acker right, we'll give you your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, mid odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive, exclude shop bets, excludes enhanced match odds, season season apply 18 plus, begambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. McMahon lines up the free kick. Flights it in dangerously. There's a goal from Kyle Munro. Aki's are level. And St Mirren's hopes of a top six place could be dashed. It was heartbreak for St Mirren as an 89th minute equaliser from Hamilton saw the Buddies slip out of the top six. And St Johnston secured sixth place with a 1-0 win over Ross County. Um, first of all, I think we need to talk about Callum Davidson and what a season he's had. A top six finish, a League, a league Cup victory. Uh, it's a dream season for St Johnston. And I, I know Stephen Gerrard's probably going to get it, but Callum Davidson, what what a year he's had, JJ. Ever since they, they found form at the right time, I think is what they, is what's really helped. It's taken a while for the, all those ideas to settle in. But the thing that was constant throughout is that they are underlying numbers always supported that they were doing better than they actually were like they, they are under the hood a top six team just I think <laughs> um, when you, when you, I mean if I'm going chest unexpected goals it's not I can't just rely on that I mean, there's, there's so much more to it but like St Johnson have scored 34 goals but expected goals implies that they should have scored around about 42.6 that's the the number which puts them just below Hibs well, not just below, but they are they were fourth in terms of expected goals below Hibs, Rangers and Celtic. So he fixed a lot of problems. They conceded a lot of goals last year under Tommy Wright. And one of the first things he did was try to sort that out and change systems. So he went to this back three, played wing backs, and they're two up front. Sometimes it's a 3-4-3, three, three, but it's mostly 3-5-2. Three, three bodies in the middle. Um, that's worked quite well. Ali McCann's had a good season. You've got Jason Kerr playing well at centre-back. And then you, mm. you get a lot out of Sean Rooney on the right. I think it's Callum Booth plays left. And uh, yes. It just worked eventually. They haven't got the results all the time, but the numbers underneath it suggested they would, even when they're losing. One of the things that they ha have done is they have not picked up many points from top six teams. I can't remember the actual number. There's a thing I read in the 2.1, another, another shout out to them. Some of their stuff is really good. Um, but they, they've done well against teams below them. So the teams in amongst the bottom six, they've done quite well against, and they've got the results, and that's what they needed to do to push them up into the top six. They might not get any more points going forward, but... I think they're far more likely to score goals than like Aberdeen artists now, and I can see them easily getting something out of, out of Hibs. Plus Livingston, obviously, who they beat in the final. Davidson's done a very good job there. They, what you'll need to see now is what he does with recruitment in the summer. And 
where the improvements go from there because they, they were top six last season as well, weren't they? Right, they've, they've been last in. they've they've been they've reached up the top six um, in eight out of the last ten years. Well, there you go. Which is a club that size is fantastic. But you know what? What I know, Motherwell are in the bottom half of the table, Laura. But what does it mean to to reach top six? Is it is it a financial thing or is it just you know, why why is it such a big deal? I think it's both. It's, well, it's a lot of things. Of course, it's a financial boost, first and foremost. It's, it's going to help the team to finish in the top six. Um, in terms of even just positioning the league, the league, wherever you finish in the league, you earn a certain amount of money. So mm-hmm. even just by finishing sixth, you're going to get more than whoever comes seventh. So that's a, that's an obvious one. It's not um, that much, though, is it? I think, I think the, the bigger financial bit was getting games against the old firm, basically. Cause then you yeah, get, that's the point. you have fans well. coming to the ground, yeah. though. So you've yeah, got that part as well. Game. You, you've got more games against Celtic and Rangers. It also draws in possible more um, TV revenue as well because you're likely to then get more TV ga- picks for TV. Um, so that there's a lot of things. And also, it's, it's personal pride as well. Um, you want to finish as high up as possible. In a season like this, where um, there's possibly five teams going to get into Europe as well, there's that element to it, um, to reach into one of the European spots. So, of course, the top six is, six is absolutely lucrative. And St Johnson, what I found was surprising about them was they haven't been in the top six since September, <laughs> yet they still managed to sneak in when it actually mattered. I think that's it's a brilliant stat to, to think of that. But they've they're consistently punching above their weight, and I feel like this is something we say practically every season about them. It's almost to the stage where we have to kind of stop classing them as a, a bottom half team, um, just because of their wage bill and the money they've got to spend on players and stuff like that. Because they are consistently finishing in the top six, it's 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 really good for a team the size of St Johnson. It's what's also really good is what in the last thirteen games they've only lost to Rangers and Celtic. I mean, it's just yeah, Davidson St Johnson are definitely one to watch for next season. Like JJ said, like Jason Kerr has been excellent. I think a lot of the reason that they lost a lot of goals last season was it was such a young defence. But the foundations at that club are excellent right now because they're all coming through at the same time. And I know it was really disappointing for St Mirren, but they they also have had quite a good season because they started so badly. They had all the problems with them having to uh, not play games because of COVID and whatnot. Uh, But Jim Goodwin, who is, you know, I think we're quite a fan of his, um, really unhappy with the free kick that was given to the equaliser. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Because, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to be, you just have to defend that cross into the box. Yeah, like the defender for that goal is abysmal. If you want to see it, the best way to, to watch it, <laughs> on, on sports scene, they've got analysis where they strip it apart. It's blatant. You can see from the setup of it. Um that Hamilton get an an overload immediately from the free kick. They have, I think it's 5v4, might be 6v5, whichever it is. They have men over. They're clearly going to cross it, and the goalkeeper asks for a wall, and the wall sets up as three. Now, he's not going to be able to score from there unless he's like John Anorisa. He's not going to score from there, right? And uh, So the ball gets hooked in, and then I think Shaughnessy's just left in his own with two two men over him. And I don't know why you wouldn't load the back post even. Like, it's clearly going to be crossed into the penalty spot or the far post. And uh, they're all over the place and concede that goal. You, think, you, can, you can say it should maybe not have been a free kick, but those things happen quite often. It yeah. reminds me of, yeah, have you seen those things? Those well, things the thing happen. is, Jim Goodwin has been making a habit of criticising bad refereeing decisions in recent weeks. But, I mean, Pot Kettle Black here, his player dived inside the box in a game at the start of the year and took, stole, absolutely stole a point off Motherwell to the point where... <laughs> 
if if they'd not cheated in that game, they probably wouldn't have been in that position fighting on the last day of the season, only needing that one goal to secure the top six. So swings and roundabouts, Jim Goodwin. I mean, you can complain all day long when the decision's against you, but you weren't complaining when Lee Irwin dived, so just go Interesting. ahead Interesting. suck it up. Um, what about the, the... I mean, as much as this game was important for the top six, it was really important uh, further down the table because... A good point, you'd have to say, for Hamilton. They're still bottom of the table because of uh, Kilmarnock's result, but Ross County were awful against the Johnston. Like, they were so, so bad. I mean, the goal, um, Cole Donaldson just really miles off the pace. Um, I want to hear what you guys think, really, because it was a good goal from Middleton, but arguably that was the harder uh, to score than the one he had a couple of minutes previous. What do you think, JJ? Oh, the 1v1 he missed, yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, Yogi said that this is the worst the team has played under him since he I'd came agree. in. I quite like the way, you know, there's <laughs> him and Tommy Wright both look quite fashionable now with their glasses. Have you noticed? <laughs> they both got, like, quite cool glasses on. But then but they're quite big, like, they're slightly larger than you'd think they would be for the for their head. But uh, there was a bit when uh, Yogi was watching, um, like, a bit of play unfold and he's trying to concentrate on it to look at it, but he takes his glasses off <laughs> <laughs> to look harder. Does he need those glasses? Are they fashion glasses? Lenses. I've seen people wear glasses with no lenses. I know a, I know a guy uh, who used to wear glasses because he thought it made him look cool. There's a guy, he's, <laughs> he's a good guy. Um, maybe he just didn't want to see what they were doing on the pitch because it was that bad. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. maybe he said, it, he yeah. said that if they'd got anything this game, it would have been a complete injustice <laughs> I mean that's yeah. brutal honesty <laughs> well you always yeah, get brutal honesty from Yogi don't you and the numbers show it as well again turn to our old friend XG so I always go on and on and about like it's almost a meme uh, but <laughs> they were 2.3 to 0.3 according to Y Scout they're not always totally on it but yeah so Johnston just had the game took them ages to, to open them up but Ross County did not do well like, I still think Ross County are the worst team in the league and Hamilton are going to finish 10th. I'm just sure. Interesting. <laughs> well, well, Hamilton have only beaten one team this year. I'm talking 2021. Uh, that's Motherwell, Laura. And they have beaten them <laughs> twice this season. Uh, so they have, they do have that game to look forward to um, up at New Douglas Park. Um, so, so harsh. Another... <laughs> so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I could be proved wrong. I'm not know. even going to let you finish that sentence. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's just move on to Motherwell then and we can talk more about them because we can find out how they got on at the weekend. Um, not very good, let's just say. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. 
Kilmarnock secured their first win in 10 matches and a first victory under Tommy Wright with a 4-1 thrashing of Motherwell on Saturday. Kyle Lafferty, um, we've said it every week that he is going to be the difference, but three goals and two assists in three starts for Kilmarnock. They're staying up. They're doing a Hamilton, JJ. How is that goal going in? What is the goalkeeper <laughs> doing there? I, don't, I, I deliberately went to you, JJ, because I didn't want to go to Laura for this one. I mean, Liam Kelly, my God. Oh, I'm coming in, don't worry. Yeah, it looks to me, it's like another example of like of when you get lag in a video game in real life. Like, he, he, I can't explain how Kelly's not either pushed that away or caught it. It's such it made a me weird think of, thing to go in. It made me think of, remember the old Sabutio games? And you'd have to, you'd have to. The goalkeeper was stuck on a long bit of plastic, and you'd had to like move it right and left. But the goalkeeper was always in that one position with the arms left out. Yeah. Except I don't know where Kelly's hands were this time. Well, I think if you watch like the kill cam from Kelly's view, uh, kill cam. Yeah. Like he said, like, well, I, I shot well before he shot me. You know, it shows it different if you're playing Warzone or something. Warzone. I yeah. yeah. Like the kill cam. It JJ, totally you are addicted, mate. Yeah. You are addicted to that. Right, Laura. Please I'm, explain. I'm coming in here. <laughs> I'm going here and I'm, I'm totally calling you out here because, hold on, I've been trying to talk about Liam Kelly week in, week out on this podcast for Scotland, but also just to highlight just how well he's been doing for, for Motherwell. But this is the week you decide you want a conversation about him. Where were you when he was pulling off his wonder saves against Hibs, against Livy, against Under United, when he was seeing the ball at the last second and was reacting? He was. No, you didn't, you didn't. No, it's, it's when he does something wrong and I, I don't think it's fair, okay? It's the same for any goalkeeper. It's the first time you <laughs> could possibly call him out on something he's done. I know he's been on the wrong end of some heavy defeats. Um, You cannot put that, that, that down to Liam Kelly, though. I think he has been one of the, the saving graces, almost, that has come in late on in the season in terms of it's not been the best season for Motherwell. When he came in in January, he has been... A knight in shining armour between the sticks for the team, so I think it's very harsh to call him out for the, probably the first thing he's he's actually been at fault for. Um, it's quite unfair. He, al- a big he also, you know, what we're talking about. He Let's also, him off. He's a good goalkeeper. Also, also, I'd like to see a goalkeeper wearing a knight's shine like knight's armour <laughs> in goal. If that was a uniform, football would be, like no football fatigue. It would be over. I would absolutely watch every football game if there was someone dressed in a full knight's. He also absolutely cracked his head off the post in the process. Um, we we saw it in the, the GoPro angle that we've got behind the goal. It is, it looked painful. Is that oh. Kelly Kilcam then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna post that one. Don't worry. <laughs> ah, very good. Um, Motherwell did respond quite well um, before Kilmarnock ran away with it, though. Um, what were your thoughts watching this game, Laura? Um, yeah, they responded very quickly, um, which seemed promising but to be honest it was the second half that absolutely killed Motherwell um, didn't come out with the same fight or bite and attack um, there was a few defensive errors that you just you can't you can't be doing at this stage of the season at this business in the stage because you're going to get punished for them um, I think another question was I mean Graham Alexander wants to keep a winning team um, and I think that's why he stuck with the same starting 11 from the previous two weeks but um, I have a question well why is um, his captain sitting on the bench so Declan Gallagher fully fit sitting on the bench and not getting picked um, which is easy to say in hindsight when you see defensive errors and you go well you've got your captain sitting on the bench it's, it's frustrating I think going forward I think we'll see him coming straight back into the lineup um after that but it's, it's very frustrating to see uh, because 
you see week in, week out, and you hear the, the players and the, the coaches talking about this this good feeling and this confidence and this positivity, and they're working hard during the, the, the lowdown last week when we didn't have a game. And to go out and you just see, it's really disappointing to come out in the second half, and you're like, that's that's the bad side of Motherwell that you, you kind of don't know which side's going to turn up and we don't tend to to lose narrowly we, we tend to lose horrendously or it's a really positive result and everyone's feeling wonderful after the game and you just don't really know which side's going to come out for which half I totally agree with uh, Alexander's uh, assessment of this game um, attributing it to it's not I mean I don't think there's anything tactical really particularly wrong I mean you're just trying to quite compact narrow 4-3-3 it's the plan but the players just didn't have any like bite to them it, they were so passive and I thought the boy McGlure as he says that McGlure yeah I thought I mean he had a terrible game he was like, particularly noticeable getting bounced off the ball just not being like hard enough but he shouldn't have been in the situations he was in a couple of times. And there's indecision, especially at the back when the balls are getting put in. Like the, the goal that Pinnock scored, isn't exactly, I mean, he falls over McGlure. It's not that's not his fault, but he should have easily. It should it should have been stopped earlier in the move. I'd, yeah, and the thing that Alexander says it doesn't matter like how you set up whatever you do, if you don't put in the the very basics of like really like being fully committed and showing that kind of determination and aggression I think it's aggression is what they're lacking then you just don't have anything in the middle of the pitch and Motherwell should be able to get a result out of Kilmarnock they've yeah, got better players that's the frustrating thing is because this result this game we were kind of looking at going right if you'd won that game you could pretty much not mathematically but you could say psychologically there's a safety net there um, mm. you weren't getting dragged into it but I think you could possibly look at the two Kamarnock games this season that Motherwell played against them, uh, The well, two of the three, that could be massive turning points. The first one was at Christmas time when it led to Stephen Robinson quitting. And I feel like this one could be a crucial one in terms of if we continue to be in a bad run, we'll look at that and say that's what sucked us into the relegation battle. But if we respond in the next game, the next league game after the split, then it could be a case of that could have been the wobbler, but the, the mentality was so strong there that the team continued to fight on regardless and and save the season. Well, we should praise Kilmarnock, you know, some good goals for them. It's it's all positive. They have to, you know, take those three points and really move on uh, to the next few games. But interestingly enough, the, the their final game of the season will be up against Hamilton um, and Motherwell have also got Ross County. But Hibs rescued a big point in their pursuit of third place with a 1-1 draw at Livingston uh, and a big goal for Christian Doidge. He got his first in 16 games. He last scored against Alawa in the League Cup on the 15th of December and an assist from, from Doig as well who I think has been one of Hibs' most exciting young players uh, to come through in a long, long time. But Another player that we've praised quite a lot um, over the well past few years now, uh, Ryan Porteous. What a stinker this was, to be fair. Um, an absolute gift for Craig Sibyl for the opener. I mean, what is he thinking here, JJ? Is it just lack of communication between the players around him? Your Hanlon's there. Well, he's next to McGinn, isn't he? I think there's a little bit of um, indecision. Like McGinn has it, like stops going for the ball because he sees that Porteous is there, and then Porteous doesn't quite know that Sybil's coming in behind him. Like he just doesn't realise it, but he knows he has to do something yeah. with the ball. And also, like if he just punts it out for a corner, it's not very. The word's not cultured, but it's not very. Um, sort of Jack Ross way. Like you want ideally, Ross wants him to take that down in the chest and play. 
<laughs> like, I mean, that would be the ideal thing. If he was rude, Hullet, that's what he'd do. But he's Ryan Porteous, so he heads it, but just not enough power. And sure enough, Sybil gets in and scores. But I think it just doesn't, because it's his, over his right shoulder. I doesn't know where he is, where the boy is. But yeah, it, it's, it it's not even Porteous is solely to blame for this. This is a complete shambles of a goal hmm. from Hibbs' perspective. McGinn's indecisive. Marciano's too slow to react. Hanlon's absolutely useless covering the line. And that's, apart from Portis having an absolute nightmare, I don't think it's one that Hibs will want to watch back many times this season. I see you've decided to take this opportunity to slag off Hanlon when last week you had a great game. <laughs> Why now, huh? Only the bad times, I see. Swings and roundabouts. Very Fair good, enough. JJ. Very good. Um, this is, you know, it was a good point for, for Hibs. They, they, they could have won it. Second half, they were by far the better team. Um, but third place will see Hibs qualify for the Europa League um, if either Rangers or Celtic win the Scottish Cup. Um, otherwise, third place will get you into the Conference League, which... Um, it's a bad exciting. name, isn't it? It's an awful Con- name. I mean, come it on, sucks. lads. Make it sound a little bit exciting. Sound sexy, come on. It's- sexy league. I've got for <laughs> that. Conference league. Yeah. Yeah, Aberdeen are going to go. No, they're not going to get just, into it. You associate conference with like non league England. It's just like, oh. Exactly. I mean, it's the Caramel preferred. Wafer Cup was just perfect. I mean, why don't you just call it the Caramel Wafer League? Caramel Wafer <laughs> Cup. would be good. It would be a great cup to have all the time. And also then the Sexy League where you get to play against. Sexy League would be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah interesting. Bad players. Uh, but fourth place gets you into the Conference League as well. Um, or we'll, maybe we'll call it the Sex League now. Yes. Um, and, and Sexy Levy might be there um, if they can pip Aberdeen. We don't know. But let's finish on Aberdeen because the manager may have changed, but the, the goals still aren't coming. They've only scored one goal in 10 games now. And they had to suffer a one... Without- uh, it goes in open play as well. I can't remember. I don't know the exact number, but it'd be possibly. Longer. Well, they had to suffer a one 0 defeat at Dundee United on Saturday, and um, a friend of ours, a stat man, David Todd, pointed out that the last time Aberdeen had a game without Derek McInnes as their manager, it was a one 0 defeat at Tannadice back in April twenty thirteen. So um, yeah, what did you did you notice anything different, JJ? Um, obviously, caretaker Paul Sheeran um, is taking the team. Uh, was there was there anything of note that that Aberdeen fans can take um, as positive. I just don't think it really matters <laughs> what, what you see from Sheeran just now because there's no way Sheeran's going to get the job. It's just going to be interim. But uh, I mean, a few notable things: change of system went to a four-three-three. So you had Hayes playing higher up the pitch, not as a wing back. He shouldn't. I just don't think he should be playing in that position. Uh, but he's up higher up the pitch, still receiving it far too deep. Um, so I think there's going to be a long time to break out of the way that they've been coached to play under McInnes for this whole season it's, it's breaking out of where you're supposed to be and when will be hard to do Jack McKenzie got a debut at left back I th- and really really harsh to say but I, th- I think he was at fault for that um, the goal that uh, Dundee United 100%. scored yeah he got, he got kind of done in by um, Giando Fuchs, uh, Fuchs. yeah he, he's, he's a decent player at that point uh, mm-hmm. but Fuchs was just hungrier for it kept the ball alive was it still in play? Don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> McKenzie kind of let that go. And then what I think he got wrong was he didn't then sprint to get back in to close the gap between him and Taylor uh, in in the back four. And just that little bit meant that Taylor had to come out of position to kind of correct that. And that meant there was an opportunity or a bit of space further like in the box. Really well-worked move by Dundee United and Shanklin's set up for it is great. You shouldn't take away from how well they executed it. But the defensive shape was poor. But yeah, I don't think you can take too much from Sheeran just now, I think we know they're just going to be needing to take their time and get someone in. Someone who can uh, turn around a club that needs to 
be punching slightly above its weight, get the right characters in, starting to play a team. A manager with the kind of history of, you know, they've done well in the Scottish League before, maybe had a bit of time in England, didn't work out for them. And now they just want an opportunity to do something. Someone like <laughs> <laughs> Derek McInnes. Yeah, we'll see who we get. Yeah. It's not been a spectacular season for Dundee United, but it's still a successful one because they're pretty much all but confirmed to stay at this level. And it was a, a really, really nice goal, to, to, to be fair. I mean, I know Fuchs will get a lot of the plaudits for um, not giving up on, on the ball, but Dundee United seem to just do this. They seem to be able to, to nick things um, at good times for them. And the only, the only problem they've had is they've had so many draws. Yeah, I think this actually will go down as one of Dundee United's best performances of the season. Um, I, I think this, as you're saying, all but guarantees safety. Um, I think the first half was a wee bit nervy, but they looked a lot more sure in the second half. They had high press, which was good. They, they, it kind of just looked like a real team effort. They kept the clean sheet, obviously, at the back. I think things are kind of clicking now for Mellon. Um, and the fans are starting to kind of warm to him and kind of realise what he's doing. Look, it's as I said several times, it's not been pretty. But when you're newly back into the league again and your sole priority is survival, it doesn't have to be pretty. I'd like to think now they're going to start being a wee bit more creative and we'll see a wee bit more of them. Um, a performance like that going into the last five games will be great. And you just start to think, well, where could they have been if that team had turned up quite a few weeks ago? Um, the fans have been slow to be convinced by Mellon but I think things are starting to turn for them now and it just shows that, that patience can can be rewarded it can pay off in the end I think that was the, that was the key word for Mellon when when he was on the podcast uh, one of the first shows that we did this season um, was that he was there to do a job he was there to make sure that Dundee United um, win games but he was also aware that he was taking over a brand new team um, that weren't his players, um, and the job that he's done is, you know, excellent. He he has steadied a ship that wasn't sinking, but it was, it didn't have a direction because uh, it lost Robbie Nielsen to Hearts. Um, so yeah, I'm showing a bit of love to Mickey Mellon. Um, there you go, have have some of that. Um, they've got I think Kilmarnock and Hamilton to travel to, um, in their remaining games, and who knows, they they might they might finish seventh. <laughs> <laughs> Top seven. There you go. Uh, let's let's move on because coming up, we're going to talk about Scotland signing a new striker. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Fantasy football first before we move on. How are we both doing, JJ and Laura? Not, not great. Better than you, son. You're my son now. Son? Yeah. My God. Yeah. You're now my son. Wow, my God. It's a strange time. Just in this, just in this league, I'm your son. Yes. Uh, but Kieran is absolutely destroying the league at the moment. Laura's got a small outside chance of... I mean, if Laura changed all her players to being like differentials and you can pull back 100 
get a hundred and forty <laughs> point lead. Yeah, Kieran's won that league for us. Some how do some people win these things? It's by so many. Like it's mental how good some people are. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously this is our our little own totally Scottish football league um, that we're talking about. But uh, I think I think for me right now. Uh, personally, it's all about chasing down Finn Marks. Because I think it's just about 78 points in it. <laughs> I was hundreds of points behind, but I've been focusing past previous weeks, so it's now just down to 70. The leader of our whole, uh, of the Totally Scottish Football Show League, there is a league within that app that you can join. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas Fleming is winning that at the moment. It's very tight with people who know how to play the game. We should talk about some players, that, some, some of these differentials that you could get in. Devante Cole apparently is a player that a lot of people have bought in, just ahead of Kyle Lafferty who can put the ball through a goalkeeper's hands now, even though he's a great goalie. Uh, <laughs> what else? Ross Callaghan for me. Callaghan. And Hamilton's bid to stay, stay in the league. Well, everything goes through him, pretty much. He has he's, been. he's a really good player. Like He's so good. Jamie McGrath, he's been bought quite a lot as well. Jamie McGrath is an interesting one, because he, he basically takes all of St Mirren's penalties. I, I think he's had six or seven this season, and he's scored every single one. Um but Laura, would you put Morelos in now? Is it time? I think he's. I think he's an interesting one. The problem I've had, I've found with this fantasy football this season is there's not really been a striker that is a standout candidate on the pitch. Yes, and watching football, yes, you can pick out star strikers. But in terms of one scoring high points, it's actually been quite difficult to find a consistent high scoring goal scorer. So. I've never really been loyal to any of my strikers and they're the ones I kind of switch around the most. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't think twice about putting Marilis in if I can afford them. Interesting. Let's move on and hear from our friends at Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, tell me, what has the split done to the odds? First of all, are, are you guys sitting down? Yes. Yes. Y- yes. You're going to want to be sat down for this next bit. Are you ready? It's crazy. I'm ready. Okay. Paddy Power think Hamilton are not going to finish 10th. Oh, come on, no. <laughs> no! What do they know? Please let it be 11th or 12th. This is, oh, I am, uh, my toys are firmly out the pram. These are indeed strange times we're living in and Hamilton are 10 to 1 on to finish in the bottom two and face at best a relegation playoff. In fact, Hamilton are also favourites to finish bottom at 4 to 6. Uh, Ross County are a close second to Hamilton in both markets, and in case you were wondering, Laura, Motherwell are sixty-six to one to finish bottom, but twenty-five to one to finish in the bottom two. Bloody hell! <laughs> massive, absolutely massive. Um, no, it's not going to happen. Hamilton have finished tenth. <laughs> Don't listen to that, folks. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only, T's and C's apply, and when the fun stops, stop it! It's time for the international break, with Scotland <laughs> starting their World Cup qualifying campaign this week with three games. Austria on Thursday, Israel, our good friends, on Sunday, and then the Faroe Islands uh, the following Wednesday. Could be a couple of interesting games. We've got three uncapped players in the squad, uh, and the most notable being Southampton striker Shea Adams. Um, Laura, <laughs> I'm going straight to you. I yes. mean, we know that we know that Adams has turned down Scotland twice in the past, and he's also played for England 
under 20s. Um, but he does qualify through his grandparents, which is a rule you really like. Through not just his grandparents, through one singular grandparent. So... We How dare they be Scottish? Oh, they probably <laughs> drove through them freeze one day and stopped at the service station. Come on. There's some good ones. No, I'm, I'm not a fan of the grandparent rule in general. I think, um, I just, I've always believed that eligibility for your national team should either come down to where you're born or where your parents are from. Um, I, I, I really strongly detest the grandparent rule. So you're okay with Lyndon Dykes as well then? Because I think you've had a few issues with him before as well. No, I think the, the only issue I had with Lyndon Dykes was the length of time it took him to decide to make a decision um i he he kind of hummed and hawed for a while and i kind of questioned why he was taking so long but in terms of eligibility he has scottish parents he is i mean that's that's where you draw the line but on top of that he hasn't played for another country and he chose Mm. us and he's showing nothing but loyalty and he also he he says he feels quite scottish because he's he's been over here quite a lot in terms of family holidays Mm. and stuff growing up so I don't think that you, you can't just go, oh, he's got an Australian accent or he grew up there. It's not fair to, to label him as that. Um, so I do not think that Lyndon Dykes is in any way comparable to Shea Adams right now. Yeah, his parents from sunny Dumfries. Um, but Dykes actually scored at the weekend for QPR. Um, I think that was his first since November, though. He's probably been better for Scotland than he has for, for his club. Um, but Shea Adams, seven goals in the Premier League, playing at a much higher level, JJ, this is good for Scotland to have someone at this caliber. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you'd need to take players like this. It's there's this theory within football, especially in like soccernomics. There's a book and it talks about how a lot of Europe has got a lot better at football than places like Scotland because it is not an island and it takes in a lot of kind of dual nationalities, people moving around from different places. So you acquire that nationality and that um, it's due with the acquisition of ideas from different places. New ideas make you have more knowledge uh, in terms of players you get in. You should be able to widen your talent pool and I don't care at all that he's he's a professional footballer he's going to feel like he's English I don't care that like he's now going to play for Scotland he's a high level talent and you don't care no you, you, you don't care that he's pulled on the three lines before he's turned us down twice and all of a sudden no, we've qualified care. for a tournament and he suddenly has an interest now to play for us. Yes, because footballers have a very short career and they want to be able to play at the highest level they can. He's got a chance now to play in World Cups or European Championships. He's not going to get in the England team um, and he can play for this. Ireland have been doing it for years and years and years and taking advantage of this and getting very good players. Yeah, but Laura, it's just like like the days of like nationalism and tribalism. It just seems seems so... I don't like it. It's not about nationalism and tribalism. But it is. It's, 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 it's what, what you're you want to protect. The sanctity international of international football. football is different to club football. Uh-huh. Club football, you pick a team, you move around, you stay there for a few years, you, you pick and choose, you, if you, you change your mind. If you don't enjoy it, you move on. International football, you, you, you essentially, you pick a, a team and you stick with it. And I don't think that you should be allowed to change. I, I've always kind of been in the belief of, I think you, you need to state who your national team is and that's it you stick with it and be that whether you do that when you find you sign your first professional contract or when you hit maybe 18 19 20 whatever that's open to interpretation but i think you have to state it and that's it you're stuck with that one look your football career short i'm not saying that for the rest of your life you have to be sworn to that nationality outside of work you can be whatever you want and feel however you want but in terms of football it's a job it's a professional entity 
Um, and I don't think it's that hard to stick so with that for 20 years. moving then if it's a job and it's work? Like you're because restricting what you can do. Because it's different to club football. It's not domestic football. You've got I was going to ask you, Laura, at what age group does this start? Because we, I mean, there's lots of players that, that switch between... Um, England and Scotland or even Wales I know Karamoko Debelli who's at Celtic he, he's been playing for like the under 16s for England but he's also turned out for Scotland is there an age group that, that where you would call it at a level that you shouldn't change? I personally would do it when they, when they sign their first professional contract um, I'm, I'm a wee bit more lenient towards you look at the um, the victory shields for example I, I get it. You play for your country. It's a very young age. It's 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 um it's school age. It's school. It's a schoolboy game basically, and you do what your friends do at that age. I get that, but I'm sorry. At 16, 17, 18 years old, you should know what nationality you are. And I get that some are more blurred lines than others. Uh, some are eligible for multiple countries. That's fine. But the way you've been brought up, you're going to feel a certain way, one way or the other. I, I, I don't mind if you are clearly, very clearly English and choose to play for Scotland or vice versa, but stick with your decision. Just be loyal. This is my thing. I just, I, 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 I value loyalty so much. And that is where all this comes from, is I do not like a lack of loyalty. And it's the same reason I don't like players dropping out of squads with, you know, injuries and inverted commas and so on and stuff. I just want to see loyalty. When he scores the winner on Euro 2021, or the hell it's called, you'll be a no, lot happier no, about it. No, JJ, no, this is what people always say. This is what people always say to me. They're like, oh, but if he scores a goal, you're not going to celebrate. And it's not a case of that. It's, I'm not it's, saying you're not going to celebrate. I'm just, I'm just, I just don't, I don't like the argument. I just, if you can get a player like that and he's going to play, I think you can do it. Like, like, Who would you rather start, Nisbet or, or Adams? Nisbet. Nisbet. Obviously, <laughs> any Scotland, any Scotland player. Ahead. I wouldn't start Shea Adams. Shea Adams wouldn't be anywhere near my squad. I don't care if he's the greatest player in the world. He's not Scottish. <laughs> I, I think if we're I think if we're realistic here, and um, Lyndon Dykes is going to lead the line. I think Steve Clark's probably going to focus more on the players that have got them to that competition. And the likes of Kevin Nisbet coming into the side is larger f- towards just having him around the squad. Steve Clark's coaching staff can look at him and see what he's like and they can make plans for how he can impact future Scotland squads. I think that's the same for Shea Adams too. Um, the, the fact that Scotland have qualified, I think you will get more players um, looking at their grandparents and saying, can I play for Scotland? Is that kind of embarrassing though? No, I don't think it's embarrassing. I think at the end of the day, you want the best players to play for your team as much as possible. Yeah, but then there's players that have turned up for us through terrible times and they've stuck by the team and they've done the awful walk around the pitch clapping the fans when they've been booed throughout the game and they still they still hold their heads high. And these players could be getting replaced by guys who have went, oh, look, Scotland qualified for a tournament. Oh, look at that, I'm Scottish. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's just good for good for Scotland to have a good football team. Yeah, same with the rugby team. You can get people, like you can get players from New Zealand and Australia. Sure enough, they're not Scottish, but I'd happily support them when they're wearing the Scotland oh, jersey and they're playing for the no. team. Oh, oh, JJ, I never watched a Scotland game with you. <laughs> I still, I want Scotland to win. Like I don't, yeah. I don't get the argument. So do what I. were you going to say beforehand, JJ? And um, what you what you should want instead, Laura is for Steve Clark to call up every single player who might qualify for them and just landlock them so other teams can't get them instead. <laughs> Well, well, let's focus. Let's focus on players that maybe have just messed out. I'm looking at players like like David Turnbull and even Ryan Gold, who's been captain of of uh, Ferencia in Portugal. Okay, they're bottom of the table, but uh, 
surely he could bring something different to, to, to Scotland. What do you think, Laura? Yeah, um, so Turnbull, obviously, uh, is a really strange one. I, I don't understand the lack of Turnbull in the squad, even if he's not going to play. And I don't think he would have played. It's just, it's really strange for somebody who's been a standout in Celtic's team this season to not even be brought in as a sort of a break break into the squad ahead of the Euros. Just but to stroll seem- in and take someone else's place, even though they're no, no, the ones no. who've been there and they're doing the Hold on a minute. The- oh, Hold Gigi, on a minute. that's not our point. Two yeah. things on that. Two things on that. One, there's no limit on this squad. Steve Clark could have picked as many players as he wanted. So really he point. could have he could have brought Turnbull and there was no limit like you get with a Euro squad where it's a 23-man squad. The second point is, Ryan Jacks just pulled out of the squad today. So I'd like to think off the back of that, Turnbull will be getting a call-up. Again, if he doesn't, why not? <laughs> There's literally a space there now. Mm-hmm, um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, Turnbull's an obvious one for me. Um, I think in terms of other players I miss out, Rheingold, yes. Um, I personally have not seen Rheingold play, but I've heard good things about how he's progressed over in Portugal. I've heard good things about how um, Hickey's progressing in Italy. Billy Gilmore as well is one more for the future, but along those same lines, get him involved now, get him used to the setup, see what he can bring. Hornby as well, um, Patterson as well at Rangers. These are all names for the future, but why not get them bedded in right now? Because if they impress now, they could be a, a, a surprise package for the Euros. And at the very least, they'll be there after the Euros for the rest of the World Cup qualifiers. What if Mark Noble's got a Scottish grandparent? <laughs> oh, Mark Noble! Oh, my God. Uh, let's let's finish on some good news. All of Austria's German-based players have been allowed to travel and are available to face Scotland. That's good. Oh, yay. All the lads. All the lads are coming. Do you know much about Austria, JJ? Any facts? Uh, Vienna is there. That's a fact. I don't have any Very facts. good. They've got some Very good players. Like, of David Alaba is one of the best players <laughs> in the world. They've got him. But you don't know whether Alaba, I mean, he can play midfield, centre back, left back. What is he? Nobody knows. So he's well. everything. He is Correct. everything. Well, there you go. Thank you to both of you. Thanks to you for listening. Good luck, Shea Adams. <laughs> there you go. And good, good luck, luck Scotland. Scotland. If he plays, good luck. <laughs> good luck, Scotland. Uh, thank you, Charlie, for making us sound remotely decent. We'll be back next Tuesday. Have a great week. Stay safe. Wash those handies. We'll see you later. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.